Greetings from East Chatham. There were a few challenges today. I'm staying at the Super Soul Farm of, you know, Raghunath's place. And there wasn't enough bandwidth to have the wisdom of the sages in my class at the same time. And he has a whole group of people there listening there. He has a Saber weekend. It's very nice. So um, it's going to be hard for me in this position to just speak from, speak from Shastra. But um, but I'll just share my realizations and uh, see if we can make a class of it. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Ajnana Timarandasya Gananjana Shalakaya. Taksuramalitam Yena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha. Sri Chaitanya Mano Bhistam Stapitam Yena Bhutale. Sayam rupa kadamayam dadati sapadantikam vanchakalpa turubhyascha kripa sindhu bhayevacha patitanam pavanebhyo vaishnavebhyo namo nama Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadha Shivas Adhigor Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So, I, I guess every week I've been saying this, I haven't yet found the book. I think I'm going to discuss before John Mastami. I think I'll, I'll hopefully definitely start. Um, well, John Mastami is a while, but. I think I'm going to go over the birth of Krishna. I did that many, many years ago in Vrindavan during, before Janmashtami. And uh, I will be having a retreat and I'll send that out soon. I spoke to Sham Sundri from the, starting on the 17th, arriving on the 16th through the, in August, I think the 18th, I uh, 17th through the 21st with Jai Jagannath. So um, you'll get that uh, message soon. And they're really wonderful retreats. So beautiful. Um, so I was doing this book, Following the Angels, and I was looking at it this morning and thought it would be a little difficult class to give in the car. But I was also looking for a section to speak on because it, it's speaking on one point. And I think it's a very relevant point. So I'll just summarize that point is that Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur as an acharya. And the charger is, when I say acharya, I, I, I described this before that kind of what a teacher is, what a guru is, is it's someone that helps you to see. It's someone that speaks to you. And I gave the example, if there's an object and there's your eyes, then there's glasses. 
and it's in between you and that object, but it helps you to see more clearly. And that's what the Guru Parampara is. And that's what your teacher is. It's between you and Krishna, but it doesn't obscure Krishna. It makes Krishna clearer. It's between you and Prabhupada. It doesn't make Prabhupada more distant. It brings you more close. But so that's a teacher, but then there are, per, that's a guru. But then there's the, the concept of founder acharya or, 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 or these great acharyas in our line where they're not just the lens between you and, and, and an object. They're kind of the lens for everyone to see the world and, and how to practice Krishna consciousness. And what Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati understood is that people were misunderstanding the pastimes of Radha and Krishna. And he understood that while there's similarity in form between Radha Krishna and the activities in this world, there's such a, a dichotomy of Radha and Krishna and, and the activities of this world. And that if people didn't understand that consciousness, they wouldn't understand Radha and Krishna because it's the consciousness of the, of the ultimate selflessness. Well, the, well, the forms of this world have, have, a, have that tinge of, 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 of selfishness, lust, satisfy my own senses where it's the same activity, but the consciousness is so different. There may be, for example, sidelong glances in, in, in a romantic relationship. But those kind of sidelong glances, those type of sidelong glances are, that's okay. It's okay, big truck. Uh, those type of sideline glances, what's the consciousness is, is how Krishna can be pleased by those, by that look, embraces, how Krishna can be pleased by those embraces. So the consciousness is one of the ultimate selflessness, the ultimate service, but it has an intensity to it. And that intensity in form conforms to the intensity of the world and the romantic relationship. There's an intensity to it. <laughs> but, but as they say, it's, it's, a perver it's a reflection. It's a perverted reflection. They say the tree on the side of the river, then what becomes the highest becomes the most further away or becomes the lowest. It's reversed. So Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati understood that and he understood as people move further and further from the basic principles of Dharma, they would have, they would, they would be removed further and further from the consciousness of selflessness and service, and therefore would be more and more likely to misunderstand the activities of Radha and Krishna as mundane. So he was very, very strong on that. He spoke about Radha and Krishna Lila. He definitely spoke Radha and Krishna Lila, but looking at the audience, sometimes 90% would be what it's not, <laughs> what Madhuya Rasa is not. 
so that people wouldn't misunderstand. Um, so that's therefore that that type that type of activity in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu is called Kama Rup. It has the form of lust, but the consciousness is of selfless service. And therefore he was very strict about it because he saw, and, and therefore he was trying to develop the proper consciousness. The consciousness would be of humility. It's for, for example, if there was a servant of the king or even a slave of the king, and he went into the bedroom of the king for service, he would go with the utmost respect. <laughs> he would go with the utmost respect, the ground of, of, of humility. And that's the foundation by which you can understand the absolute truth. You can't understand the absolute truth unless you're in the mood of service, because that's the perspective to see the absolute truth. That's the principle of envy. You can't see someone greater than yourself if you're in the wrong consciousness. It clouds perception. It clouds understanding. So anyway, I was reading this morning about it and, and there was story after story of how strict Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur was. Even one time he, he was going to see an old friend um, of his from school. And I don't know, maybe the friend was, I don't know, maybe he was staying around a Kund or something, some, some friend. And he went upstairs, and when he went upstairs, there was some Goswami talking to Ras Leela, and he walked immediately downstairs. <laughs> because he, he, he knew that these things were, were done for promotion because these are the forms in the world that people like. So this kind of thing sells. So he didn't like any type of exploitation of that. He liked the, the consciousness of, of humility as the plat, because, as under, and seeing that. And, and that's why I, I always feel more inclined to speak about these things when I am in Vrindavan, because in that kind of atmosphere, the consciousness of devotion, the mood of devotion becomes so clear. And then it's so easy to see those things in that way, that this is selfless service, this is love, this is devotion. Anyway, it's the problem so we didn't ban the gopis and he gave us the Krishna book. But you'll see how carefully he couches it in a frame of reference so you can't misunderstand it. And I always, I always say that this is a teacher's greatest challenge. It, it's, it's not to speak the truth. The greatest challenge of the teacher is to have the truth understood. I, I, and I'll give you kind of a very nice example, a very practical example of that. You know, we have these rituals. And one of the rituals is the Vivaha Yagya, uh, yagya the, the, the marriage ritual. And... I was invited to the wedding of, of Janavi and Kula Pradeep. I wasn't able to go, but I had a Zoom. So I was watching it on Zoom. And Janavi's father was doing the Janavi's father was doing the wedding. And he had done about 600 of these weddings. I understood he, he it's one of the things that he does. But I saw, like, wow, this is a person with a 
with realization. He's a communicator. So I saw how careful he, 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 he made the traditional ritual so that it was understood. Like in India, you know, among Indians or something, and you can have way back, you have all these rituals and things, and maybe there's a frame of reference for that. But it was so, even, you know, I was looking, wow, he has them sitting on chairs. Why does he have them sitting on chairs? Shouldn't they just be sitting by the fire? But when I actually saw what he did, that they were visible. It, it, in other words, he understood the essence and he, he, he was able to communicate it. And someone who doesn't have realization, then what happens? You do a certain ritual and no one knows what's understanding. The, the parents of, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the groom or the bride come, they're not devotees. They have no idea what's going on and, and how to communicate the, it's a samskar. What's the whole point of it? It's to make an impression. And what's the impression? The impression is of making commitment. The impression to make commitment and how to instill, that's the idea. It's not the ritual. It's the purpose of the ritual. And the ritual has a connection to its purpose, but you have to know that connection. And therefore you can explain it or, or, or move a detail, like sitting on the floor or, or sitting in chairs <laughs> or, or in, in a way that both to the people who are sitting in the ritual and the people who are watching the ritual understand. For the people who are sitting in the ritual, it's to reinforce commitment. The people who are watching the ritual, it's to reinforce commitment because they're having their blessings and they're having their expectations. So this whole consciousness that he actually understood, this is what the ritual is about. How do I communicate it to the people who are participating in it? The people who are getting married, the people who are watching it, the parents, the audience so that the essence of it is communicated. And that's what Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati was so concerned with. Madhurya Ras is the highest thing. It's our highest goal. It's our objective. He gave it. But how to communicate these forms so people understand the consciousness that it represents. And therefore, by hearing these forms, become inspired in that consciousness. Of a full ashlishiva padaratam panastumam madarshanam mama that that you may Radharani the in I, I love that nineteenth chapter of the Sikshastakam. And it, it's such an important chapter, and it's the end of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. And it's about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's thoughts, looking back at his life, because the the last chapter it means this is you know, the, 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 the twilight of his mission. So he's looking back and he's looking back at his mission. And what does he understand about his mission? He understands his mission was two things, to taste the highest prema bhakti of Sri Radha to Krishna not only to taste that, but to taste it at its, at its height, the mood of separation, 
and also to distribute that to the world. And then he's kind of reflecting back on his mission. So how did he taste it and how did he distribute it? Hari Nama, Hari Nama, Hari Nama, Eva Kebalam, Kalo Nasteva, Nasteva, by the holy name. In fact, I, 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 that revelation, when, when I forgot where I read it, now, probably the CC, but the revelation when 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 you know, when, when Lord Chaitanya when he went to Varanasi and he wanted some sadhu sangha and he was a sannyasi and there was an assembly of sannyasis, but they were Mayavadis. But somehow he went there, and he was he he wasn't a classic sannyasi because generally sannyasi. The traditional age at the age of 75, if you live more, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's material life is finished. And that's not usually there for, for people that are younger. They have to work through their desires to transcend them. And therefore, he was, he was humbly sitting where they were washing, watching, washing the feet. And then the, the leader, Prakasananda, saw this young, brilliant, effulgent, Sanyasi and, and 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 he also understood about him that he 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 didn't seem to have the real mood of sannyas of renunciation because he seemed to be emotional and chanting and dancing. So he came over and he asked him about that that chanting and that dancing, that chanting and that dancing, and why he's doing this, and it seems so. And then he told he told the story about his his guru. He told he told the story about his his guru. That he asked that question to his guru, and his guru said, "No, this is the highest thing. This gets you to the highest goal." And his guru quoted, "No, Harinama, 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 There's no other way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way." And then told him, and I said this many times, I will now tell you a verse that's the essence of the Bhagavatam. And then he told him that verse, Evam Priyanama Krita Jata, that in this way, by chanting without any inhibition, the names of your beloved Lord, because the absorption in the holy name, the absorption in any object, is most aroused when there is a relationship with that object and the relationship of love is the most strongest connection to an object. So, so Swapriyanam, the names of your beloved Lord, the name of God whom you have a connection with, have a relationship with, Jatanuraga, and from that is born the highest devotion. So Lord Chaitanya is, 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 is thinking back on his mission on his mission, just like Prabhupada was in Calcutta when he came after spreading Krishna consciousness in the West. And he was thinking back, he was thinking back, how was I the lucky one? How was I the lucky one? How did I, I achieve this? He's looking back on his mission. He said, because I was cent percent faithful to the order of my spiritual master. Then Prabhupada, when he was in his, in his room in the last days, he was, he, was, he was giving commentary on Brahma Vimohan Lila. He was on his back and, and giving commentary on this great story in Krishna Lila. 
And then there's a part in that Lila that's very interesting where Lord Brahma comes back. He had stole the coward boys and calves. And when he comes back, he sees they're still there and he becomes stunned. And then they all manifest into Vishnu forms. And, among, uh, and around each Vishnu form are the devotees chanting. And then he sees that Vishnu or Krishna smiles at them and then looks at them with his eyes, which are tinged with red. And then, and this is explained in the commentary. This is how God deals with us. This is what happens when you become empowered. The red is spiritual passion. What's spiritual passion? God puts in your heart a desire to serve. And, and the, the white teeth are the mode of goodness where God smiles at you and he maintains that mission. And then Prabhupada's looking that this is, he's looking and he's reflecting in the courtyard of the Krishna Balaram Mandir, there's a tree that grow luxuriantly and, and how much kirtan was around that. And he was reflecting how, how Krishna glanced on him and gave him a mission and then smiled upon him and maintained that mission. So you look back and Lord Chaitanya is looking back and, and he's looking at the holy name and he starts to glorify the holy name. And then the Shikshastakam, the eight verses, the only eight verses that are recorded by him, he starts to recall, which are describing the chanting of the holy name at different stages, up to the highest stage of Madanayaka Mahabab, the highest stage. And then he begins to reflect on each verse. And then in the last verse, he starts to meditate what that verse means. And of course, this is very intimate and, and we have to understand it the right way, but Krishna in his romantic dealings with the gopis, sometimes he, he, he disappears from them and, and, they, they, and uh, to invoke greater sentiment of, of devotion. And then, and then the, 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 the gopis, Lulita and Vishaka, they would tell Srimati Radharani, why do you want to be with such a person who mistreats you like this? And, he, and he's here and then he goes off and then he's with Chandravali and he does this. Just give up that rascal. Why are you with that rascal Krishna? And then what Radharani says is, the, the, the limit of selfless love. Love is not about me. Ashli Shiva Padaratam Panastumam Madarshanam Mamahatam. You may make me brokenhearted by not being before me. You may crush me by your embrace, but still you, my Lord. So he reflects in that way. But the basis of it, the basis of it, the basis of coming to that consciousness, the basis of, of, of Lord Chaitanya achieving 
this mood of Radharani, this high consciousness. And what is that high consciousness? It's selfless love. So you have to serve, you have to surrender. You have to serve Krishna. You have to serve the mission. You dive deep in the Sankirtan mission of Lord Chaitanya. You arise on the shore of Radha Krishna pastime because you have the consciousness to understand them. And without that, it's just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You don't really understand the holy name. You don't understand the pastimes of Krishna without understanding that there is a door to enter them. And that's called Sharanagati. We actually feel that God is my refuge. And that's what Prabhupada demonstrated by his own example. That's what he taught. That's what Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati taught. That's what it says in the Bhagavatam. So he was very, very wary that we spend enough time developing a consciousness of humility and service before we intrude on, on, on very, very intimate leelas of Radha and Krishna. It's not that you can't hear them, but to become too focused on that without the right appropriate consciousness to understand them. Just like if someone sees a beautiful woman, a man sees a beautiful woman, then there's a certain consciousness that comes. But when we see Radharani and we see Krishna, the consciousness that should come for those who understand what that form actually means in transcendence is the desire to serve. The desire to serve. And if you don't have a seva bhav, you don't understand Radha and Krishna. So they gave it, but they gave it in a way that can be understood. Okay, so that was my initial rap without a book. Not bad. Now the second thing would be, now my just experience, I'll tell you a little bit about my stay at the Super Soul Farm. Um, this really has a lot of potential. Is um, how it's going to be managed, how it's going to be developed now fully. They're in that mood and they're having different retreats. And this weekend, there's a savor retreat. And last night, it was so nice. About 10 people came into my room. And then there's a piece of land across the street. There's a guy I think maybe wants to sell it. But anyway, Raghav knows his name is Bernie. He's about 74. He's been there for like over, like over 50 years, just developing this land and building everything. And we went to the house that he built. And, and you know, it's like, it's like 60 acres and so many things. And, but I kind of, I just share a realization and that's what I, I, I like to do is just, there's something, and I, I was speaking to people yesterday, something that 
I think some of you may know Varsana Maharaj lives in New Vrindavan and he's a really great Vaishnava and he likes to be with the land. And he once told me that there's two classes of people. I spoke about this yesterday. It's kind of humorous, but it's true. There's aliens and there's earthmen. Now we'll say earth people. But, um, and I describe how I'm an alien. I'm from Brooklyn. It's, but I, I have such appreciation for, you know, I don't realize it, but the people who work the earth and are the previous type of culture where people are actually connected directly to things that they use. Um, okay. Yeah. somehow in the modern world and I feel that myself we seem to lose that integrity and honesty it's just something with that earth that really transforms the consciousness and I tell you very frankly I always lament because I, I, I kind of know there's some real value to it but I, I realize that that's just not what my samskara is my impression and uh I had a, a friend, a, a god brother of mine, who I respect greatly. His name is his name is uh, Tejas Prabhu, and he he was in the Peace Corps, and then he became a devotee. And he's up there with the top five people of association with Prabhupada. in many ways. And Prabhupada told him to start the Kisan movement. And, you know, it was very difficult. Then later in his life, he went to Boston to, to take a veil of their libraries. And he read every book on self-sustainable economics. And he was really brilliant. And he told me that why the farm movements that Prabhupada started they haven't been very successful. Even though Prabhupada stressed it, I, I spoke about this in my last Monday morning greetings, um, because people are conditioned to a false standard of opulence. And therefore, when they go to simple life, they don't have sufficient appreciation that Opulence is a temple in your community. Opulence is food that's grown on your own land. Opulence is fresh 
air. Opulence is simple living, high thinking. But we really have such deep samskaras that are a that are klishtavritti. They're troubling samskaras because we're attached to things that don't elevate our minds, including a lifestyle that's antithetical to actually developing our minds. And it, it's and, and then marveling always at the vision of Prabhupada, how he saw things that we couldn't see. He actually saw the degradation of the world. He saw what's happening. As I took my mother, when we were raising, she, she didn't um, have to work <laughs> until we were a little bit older. Opulence called a mother at home. <laughs> and, and, and now people die if two people don't both work. I actually, I visited Jai Balai and Katie, and she just had a, another child. And it was so nice. Somehow or other, she's able to stay home with the children. <laughs> so the samskaras that, that, and that's what Prabhupada was worried about because I think it was, was it Eric Fromm? I forgot his book. He described there's two freedoms. There's freedom to and there's freedom from. And of course, there's a lot of freedom to, but there's not freedom from. And how many necessities and impressions of things we need that are anarta, that are unwanted, that occupy our time, that, that take our... So anyway, this is somehow or other what's been on my mind, you know, and just figuring out how do I simplify my life when I, and then even the some scars they didn't have when I'm growing up. And then all of a sudden the technological revolution and the poor children, I didn't grow up with that. The poor people that grew up with that just constantly on their cell phone. So Prabhupada's vision of Krishna consciousness and spiritual life and what we need and what the effect of the world will be. And then you'll, you'll read my next Monday morning greetings. It was the same, the same realization when I went to uh, last Sunday, I went to New York City, I went to the Kirtan in Washington Square Park and walked and looked around and just saw that people don't have an understanding of how to be happy. They don't understand that it's a state of mind. And it's not just what you put in there. <laughs> it's not a sensual thing, an egotistical thing. Happiness is a state of mind. And there was actually a culture and a, and a lifestyle and a philosophy that was focused on the mind. It was focused on the mind. And, and I described the basis of that, the foundation of that was called Dharma. And what Dharma means, this is a, a kind of my own definition, but it's one way to look at it, that our decisions determine our faith. Every moment we have so many decisions. Everyone right here is faced with so many decisions right now. 
should you know should i do this should i chant now should i do this how to work my life what should i eat my diet and this and this how to relate to people and this problem there's so many decisions where should i live what should i do how to do whatever my retirement what should i do there's so many confronted so many decisions should i give this up should i accept this there's so many decisions There's so many decisions, but what is Dharma? It's the, the science of the correct decision for you. And what is the correct decision for you? It's the one that moves your consciousness to a higher level of, of, of perception and contentment. So I'm walking there and I look around New York City and I see they don't know the science. They have the exact, and this is the world today. And, and there's this quote I got from this book on happiness by this Buddhist monk called Marcel Richard. It wasn't his quote, but he quoted it. He said, pleasure is the happiness of a madman. Happiness is the pleasure of the sage. Pleasure something external, not really focused on what does this do to my mind? And, and, and a Brahmana, this Brahmana and this Kripana. Kripana means miser, Kripana, mana, mind. It's one with a narrow mind, Brahmana, one with a broad mind. What's one with a broad mind? He doesn't just look at effects in short periods of time. He looks them in a broader base of time. For example, our eating habits. Do we look at them at that 10 minutes where we're eating a half gallon of ice cream? Or do we look at it at a broader time of what is our health? What actually promotes happiness? A healthy diet, simple and sumptuous, where we look at, 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 it, at how will this affect my day, my week, my life, my, you know, my old age? Or, or, or is our consciousness so narrow that we only see the, 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 the stimula, stimula, stimulation, the tintalization of, of, of 15 minutes of putting something in our mouth? Or do we look at what is the consciousness of our day? How does this affect our sleep? How does this affect my health? How does this affect my bhajan? So Kripana, but Brahmana, broad-minded. We're like children. We're sick. And we eat the things that will get us sicker, not realizing that the temporary stimulation in terms of happiness is not worth the level of contentment and, and satisfaction of good health. So you see, people are just at pleasure. <laughs> there's no, there's no broad-mindedness, and there's no people, there's no Brahmins who teach broad-mindedness, who live broad-mindedness. And then you look, and you walk by the Karma Bar, <laughs> and you look. I think Jonavi was once telling me that when her and her sister first came to New York, and I guess they're in, they see it also in London, but 
you know, walking down for and seeing the bars and, you know, the people in them. And this is their conception. This is their conception of happiness. It's crazy because you're doing the things that depress and degrade the mind. And right after I was reading this in the Bhagavatam, I was, I was writing this, I turned to the Bhagavatam and it was really a wonderful section about Bali Maharaj's response to Sukracharya, who was telling him not to sacrifice for Vishnu. And, and, and Bali Maharaj, you know, telling him the vow, Nayam Lokas, the Nayam Lokas, the Yagyasya, Kutanya Krizan. Bhagavad Gita says, without sacrifice, there's no happiness in this life or the next. And then there was this verse, it was quoted. Tapo divyam yena kaputra sattvam shudyed yasmad brahma sokyam tunantam. Tapo divyam. Sacrifice is divine when it's directed to the elevation of the mind. And then tapo divyam yena kaputra shudyed brahma sokyam happiness tunantam. Then it gives you the the unlimited, the unlimited happiness. So I, I was, this is my Monday morning greetings. Obviously, when I'm not focused on a book, it's going to go to what I'm thinking. And then, I, and then as I was walking, I also felt such gratitude. And I think we should all feel gratitude. It's not that we're blissful. It's Dukalayam of Vishashvatam. This material world is temporary and full of suffering. But we have the process of happiness. We have the process of elevating our mind. We have the process of health. Spiritual, intellectual, mental, social health. We have the process. We have the, the complete process, actually. Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Bhaktivinoda Thakur was asked, what is the relationship between Van Ashram and Krishna consciousness? So we also have a social philosophy. So, and, and he said that society, when properly organized, where people are actually trained and engaged according to their nature. And they're situated in an ashram that's suitable for their prog progress on the path of detachment, even if it's going through the, the process of attachment, the life. If one's situated properly, let's say if one has the proper job and a proper society, then what happens? There's the proper reciprocation for the work, there's mental peace because they're engaged according to their nature. And there's social peace. If you look at any project that fails, you look at any project that fails, why? Because they're lacking one of four things. They're either lacking the right spiritual direction or they're lacking the right administration or they're lacking the right economic base or they're lacking the right 
dedicated labor to actually facilitate and move everything forward. So in a proper society, people are trained. If you, if you look at a Krishna conscious project that's successful, it's because of Van Ashram. There is spiritual leadership. There is administrative leadership. There is economic sanity. And there are people to help. So he said, without physical, mental, and social peace, what is the question of the higher endeavor of Krishna consciousness? So very, very practical. Very, very practical. So I was feeling so grateful that we're connected to, to a comprehensive, spiritual, complete philosophy on how to live. So we actually have hope. And we even, we even have a philosophy how to live if our karma is not good. That happens too. We try and, and somehow it's, but what's karma not good? I remember this line in the Bhakti Sandarbha that I love so much. It says, as it was in the introduction, devotion in the form of kirtan is unlimitedly merciful for those who are devoid of a sense of false prestige. And therefore, people like this age because Kaler Doshe Nidhe Rajan. It's an ocean of faults, Eko Asti Mahagunan, but there's one good quality Kirtanad Eva Krishnasya Mukta Sangam. But by that kirtan of, of Krishna, that kirtan of Krishna, then there can be. Mukta, Sangam, Param, Mukta. There can be a relief, Param, Vrajet, and you can attain something higher. It's not just relief. Our concept of liberation is Muktir, Hitva, Yata, Rupam, Surupena, Vavastita. Mukta, Sangam, Param, Vrajet. We get a certain. And what to speak, and I'm speaking of a person who's now in his 70s. What is our future without an inner life? Because an inner life transcends the body. An inner life is an identity that's eternal. So it all has to come to that point. That's also why there was one ashram. There would come a point where yesham twantakatam papam jananam punya karmanam te dvanva moha nirmukta bhajanti mabjur. There'll come a point that by purifying ourselves and doing our duties and doing our dharmas and our mind becomes involved, our desires become quelled. that we can more and more and more focus on our internal life. And that's the whole purpose of Bhagavatam. What is the main foundational question on which Bhagavatam is based? What is the duty of a man who's about to die? <laughs> and what should he not do? Bariya Nesha Te Loka. Bariya Nesha Te Loka. Krita Loka Hitamnipa. What a glorious question. It comes down to that ultimate reality. 
that the whole show here, the whole difficulty, the whole karma is made to move us to this inner eternal understanding that's for our ultimate benefit. Anyway, I'll just sum it up here now. I didn't have a book, so I had to go around a little bit, but just nice being here. I think there's a great potential here. So nice, a beautiful room that they've given me. It's wonderful. And it's and, and people came in yesterday and I was able to speak. And what I noticed, there was a lot of earth people there. People that are so down to earth. <laughs> I'm hearing the vegan trucker rode into town. <laughs> Here's this huge guy, completely shaved with T-lock and a big Sika. <laughs> Just such a down-to-earth guy. And Banjo, Banjo, Banjo Mike was here. <laughs> Works on a maple syrup place, you know. I admire it. There's something about it. There's something about it. The lessons people learn from, from. So it's just humbling to me. These people are just really, and they came here for Seva to kind of help get the place ready. And, uh, they're going to they're gonna see how it goes, but they have plans for many, many retreats uh, and to kind of fill up this place so it's economically feasible. It's a beautiful facility. And uh, they want to give people an opportunity from Wisdom of the Sages for ashram life. Different, you know, where they have different subjects and for a week they can live and experience that. And uh, that's what's so nice about the place, too. It's kind of like it's big enough. There's quite a few people here now who live in an ashram. Raghunath also feels it's finally like an ashram. His guru is there. He's in the morning with his button, wisdom of the sages, and people come over and cooking pasadam, and it's, it's, it's a nice. Okay, that's just my... Uh, Okay, I don't know. Jamuna Jaya probably has to go to her. Yeah, I'm I'm here today, Maharaj. <laughs> okay, okay. COVID finally got me, so I'm not teaching today. So <laughs> you have COVID. It's one of the yeah. You have, not you have not so bad. My husband got it, and then once he got it, it's only a matter of we share all things. So. <laughs> COVID has, doesn't have a chance against you, Jamuna Jaya. <laughs> I, I see absolutely it, it, no effects. <laughs> Just a little bit here, is, but is, is I can't teach in person today. It? Is this your first time yes. getting it? Yeah. Okay. okay yeah. It's, it's, it's not bad at all, but I just can't be outside in the studio today. So, okay. but I, um, I love that you're up there. I love that you're in the car at the gas station where Raghu gives the class so often. <laughs> love that. But I love, I really love what you said early on when you were saying that we have to have the right consciousness. 
before we, and you use the word intrude on the pastimes of Radha and Krishna. And, and I, I love that you said that we just sort of burst in with our material consciousness and think we know what's going on. And I love the way you put it. We, we, we can't just like burst in. We don't, we don't know. So thank right. you for saying it. Well, that, that's what our Guru Vag says. Good. Thank you. Thank you, Maharaj. Good. Um, anybody else? Hi, Maharaj. It's Bhakti Devi. Hey, Bhakti Devi. Hi, Bo. Hi, Bo. I, I also, yeah, what a great class. Um, I mean, just the discussion about consciousness in every decision that you make also is so very important. And I find that we live in a world where so many people have such an unhealthy state of mind that they're not able to make a conscious decision quite often. And, um, and I, I can't say that it's a lack that all everybody lacks an inner, inner practice and inner world. Some people with an inner world also have a bad state of mind, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, the consciousness of the decisions that you make is, is really important. And I really wish that people would think about that before they make a decision. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we're trying to do. Uh, you're welcome to come up during the week if you want, but I don't know if... Uh... Are you, anyway, so you're going to be at Super Soul Farm this week? Yeah, I will. Okay, I'm going to try. Yep. I'm going to try. Why don't you contact me and we'll, we'll see what I we will. can do to be coordinated. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Anyway. Okay. Good. Maharaj, you just see your mask. Hi, yeah. Great May to I see ask, you. Good to see you. May I ask a question? Yeah. First, this, the first one I hope is a very quick answer. And then yeah. I have a bit of a more challenging question. Yeah. But so many of us in ISKCON, we use, or connected to ISKCON, we use the term we. And, uh, you know, when you say we, how broad are you speaking about we in terms of practitioners of bhakti yoga? It's, Let's say, this is just a question of, of when you can use we in terms of a group. I guess you can use we in terms of a group when there's a whatever group you're speaking to, you feel there's a commonality of whatever you're addressing. You know, so obviously, maybe not every person in the group, like I'm speaking about we, the aliens, but there may be in the audience someone who's actually on the farm. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, as you know, there are hundreds of millions of practitioners in India alone in the one of the four Vaishnava Sampradayas. Yes. So, you know, that it's always that, that how broad do we move? Well, uh, well, I'm talking to the audience here, probably. I'm talking about we in terms of the audience, and it may extend to the general concept of a problem in ISKCON, you, you know, or, or the greater Vaishnava community. You know, if I say, you know, we tend to be too cloistered. Well, maybe not everybody's too cloistered, but it may be a general characteristic. Yeah. You know, right. we, we haven't really fulfilled <laughs> Prabhupada's mission for Von Ashram in the, you know, well, most people haven't, but there, there, there may be someone out there. Yeah, so like that. So, you know, so there, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I think you answered it. Thank you. I, I like to do that for public digestion. 
ask Great, that thank question you. more. Thank but you. so Prabhupada, towards the end, he's quoted as having said, you know, apologize to some God brothers, right, in the last few days. And they said, no, you've done everything, Maharaj, you know. And then he said, no, only 50%, you know, lacking a real penetrating yeah. approach towards Varnashram. Can you comment a little bit about the challenges that uh, Prabhupada's movement is facing? You know, lacking the, I love the eyeglass filter prescription uh, metaphor. And we're lacking that, that current filter to see how to apply Varnashram. And, you know, there are so many different groups and aspects, right? A whole spectrum of approaches towards yeah. um, you know, how, how, what is okay, what is not okay, what is a range of acceptable. So maybe you comment a little bit on that. It seems like that lack of application with the proper filter, you know, the vision of the Acharya of, of Varnashram is what's causing well, so many problems. I, I, you know, I think everything has to be, everything has to be practically applied. That's why they say there's three things. We should surrender to God. We should follow Dharma. And we should do it under the guidance of Vaishnavas and, and Brahmins. So I don't think there's a set formula, but obviously people have particular natures and they're more happy when they're engaged that way. <laughs> so that <laughs> principle can be applied, you know, in, in a family. It can be applied in the city. You know, ideally, there's actually a community that facilitates you know, a broader uh, opportunity for people to actually be engaged according to their nature. Obviously, there's limitations. For example, like a Brahmin, you know, you have a family. Okay, you want to be a Brahmin, but you got to get a job. <laughs> now you're working for someone. You know what I'm saying? So then within that context, what do you do? Are you, are you advanced enough and dependent enough on Krishna and have the karma where you can just go out and, and share transcendental knowledge and, you know, be, you know, satisfied that it's going to be reciprocal. So I think uh, there's details and there's principles. Right, right. So there's principles that apply to everyone. And then there's uh, uh, details that are in particular circumstance. And Bori John Prabhu asked Prabhupada, how do you know the difference between a principle and a detail? He said it takes intelligence <laughs> and that's the only answer, you know, and I think when people lack intelligence, then they may do things like Niyama Agraha, have too much affection for the concept and rules, even if it doesn't apply to people. Prabhupada wanted Varn Ashram and then all of a sudden, you know, there's no concept of how to do it or, or, or something. Uh, you know, I'm guilty of that too, and I know you know where where you don't have that proper. So I think it really takes maturity and experience, and yeah. And if I might just nudge a, a touch further, so you're speaking about the application on an individual basis as well as a broader basis, but basically how it affects the individual. But I think the 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 second part of that naturally is as a movement as a whole. How broad should, you know, would Prabhupada have encouraged it to be um, available? And, and when I say available, 
people feeling in, included, having a place, um, it would have required some modifications. And I don't want to enter into the world of speculation, but philosophical speculation, Prabhupada did encourage. How broad? Yeah, you know, people, I had a discussion with a god brother yesterday who was, you know, asking the question about, you know, like uh, one of your god brothers, Cheru, you know, was yeah. very much a, a fringe element in ISKCON for years. And now there's a, a major retreat supported by ISKCON, you know, the Sadhusanga retreat that's connected to him. So all of a sudden he's more accepted in, in a bit of the mainstream. Right. Well, I would just think it all comes down to quality of leadership and, and, and ha knowing how to empower people. You know, I, I, I just said, because I'm going to have to really get back there because they have this retreat and, and there's things to do. But I'll, I'll just say that um, I give that definition of empowerment as recognizing a person's ability encouraging it and facilitating it and then putting it in broad parameters where it can work in a greater context. That's a leader. And, 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 you know, you have a lot of experience with that when you're not a leader, all you work of think about is a broader context <laughs> and therefore you lose what a you know, how do you fit into this? You know, you work under the temple president, you, you know, you know, not recognizing a person's abilities that, Someone like Cheru, who's brilliant, you know, needed to move and do his own thing and, 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 and in a really dynamic way. A real leader would, would realize that, you know. And so it's just a question of qualified leaders, and hopefully it will be. I'm going to have to go now, but and everybody else, I have to go now. So it was great to see everybody. I looked at the participants. It's so great you're all there. Okay. Haribo. Bunch of culpa through this document, some of the people.